The day was a bit cool and cloudy for early August, with some light drizzle misting everything. Perfect, thought Hermione, as if this weren't hard enough to deal with already. She spent some time trying to control her hair, which was bushier than usual due to the weather. After about fifteen minutes, she threw down the clip that she was using to try and pull some of the curls off of her face and murmured in frustration, "'What's the use? They're not going to notice anyway.' "'I think you look lovely, dear,' answered her mirror. Hermione managed a weak smile before grabbing a ribbon, securing what she could of her hair at the bottom of her neck, and heading downstairs. In the kitchen of the burrow, Mrs. Weasley, Bill, and Ron were already seated at the table. Penelope must be sleeping in, thought Hermione, and she couldn't really blame her. It must be exhausting to carry all that extra weight around. She had stayed up quite late the night before, talking with Penelope about the imprisonment charm that Percy and Penelope had begun work on earlier in the year. Mr. Weasley was pressing Penelope to come up with something soon, so that they would have options available to alleviate the situation at Azkaban and Culparat. Working on it without Percy seemed difficult for Penelope and she was very frustrated. Hermione wondered if it was the type of thing a, that a thinker could help with, and found herself feeling even more excited about the prospect of leaving in September. Mrs. Weasley summoned a cup of tea and let it land gently in front of Hermione on the table. She smiled gratefully and sat down next to Ron, cradling the cup of tea in her hands, feeling its warmth but not drinking. While everyone else ate, Hermione stared off into space trying to prepare herself for the day ahead. As her mind wandered, her eyes rested on Bill Weasley's hair, which was not yet pulled into its customary ponytail. It was fascinating. When worn loose as it was this morning, it fell to his shoulders and reminded Hermione of a soft, full paintbrush soaked in red color. It was equally as pretty as Ginny's hair, but as she watched him eat his eggs while reading the Daily Prophet, she decided that it didn't make him look feminine at all. In the two years that she had been coming regularly to the borough, she had never heard him mention a girlfriend, although she supposed it, that it wasn't so odd seeing as he'd been fighting in the war. And anyway, she didn't know him very well. Perhaps he was the type to go out with lots of different girls. Taking another sip of tea and trying to wake up, Hermione cast a somewhat bothered look at Ron, who was also eating eggs and sitting in a posture similar to his brother's. She narrowed her eyes, wondering briefly if he ever thought about other girls, and then tried to imagine what he would look like with long hair like his brother Bill. George had seemed to be growing his hair when she'd seen him at Harry's birthday party. She smirked a little. No, she definitely couldn't see it. Ron was a short-haired type of boy. The expression on her face must have been odd, as she stared, because Ron stopped mid-shoe and demanded, What? "'Don't talk with your mouth full, Ron,' admonished Mrs. Weasley, rising and dusting off her robes. "'It's bad manners.' Ron rolled his eyes, and Hermione cracked a smile. Bill looked up from the newspaper and said with a deadpan face, "'Yeah, Ron, hasn't Hermione ever told you that?' Hermione felt movement as Ron kicked Bill under the table, the tips of his ears quickly turning pink. Mrs. Weasley hadn't seemed to hear what Bill had said, and a burning sensation crossed Hermione's face as she realized the meaning of Bill's joke. She really was part of the family now. Bill obviously had no problem including her in the jokes aimed at his siblings. Ignoring Ron, Bill piped up. Hermione, you'll need to work at controlling your boyfriend. He's a bit useless right now, but you've caught him so young, I'm sure he'll improve under your influence. 
Bill winked at her, and Hermione gave him a weak smile, unsure of what to say. She wasn't used to having brothers. Ron was just about to respond, though. Hermione could feel his whole body grow tense, when Mrs. Weasley walked around behind Bill, poked him in the ribs with her wand, and said gently to Hermione, "'Aren't you hungry, Hermione?' Hermione shook her head. "'No.' "'Come on, now,' Mrs. Weasley pressed, placing a plate on the table in front of her. "'Best not to go on an empty stomach.' Nodding, Hermione slowly began to pick at a piece of toast. Ron's mum was always watching out for her, just like Ron did, and she was grateful for Mrs. Weasley's support, but she couldn't help but be reminded that her own mother was currently unable to act in that capacity. Ron and Hermione had always spent the night at the borough before visiting St. Mungo's. Somehow it made things easier to leave from there. In the beginning, Ron had purposely planned their visits to St. Mungo's Hospital for magical maladies and injuries on days when Harry was somehow unavailable. They both knew he'd want to come with them, and both of them thought better that he stay as far removed from places like St. Mungo's as possible. Also, selfish as she felt about it, Hermione didn't really want Harry there. Visiting her parents was always extremely difficult for her, and she didn't want the extra worry of watching Harry withdraw further into himself. She knew that somehow he blamed himself for her parents' situation, and seeing that blank look in his face in addition to seeing her parents was too much to handle for one day. Besides, Ron had been the one to visit with her every week since the beginning. It had all happened the day before the Christmas holidays in her sixth year. After their last class, they had all ventured outside with Ginny for a snowball fight. It had seemed for a moment that they were just ordinary students, enjoying ordinary lives, in a time of peace and not of war. Hagrid had come outside to join them, along with his new assistant, Meg Castawild, a recent Hogwarts graduate who is exceptionally good with animals. Hermione had turned to the castle just before dinner, flushed, wet, tired, and strangely happy. Twice, Ron had crept up behind her and, instead of shoving a snowball in her face, had surprised her with quick kisses while Ginny and Harry weren't looking. That had been enough to make her warm and content for the rest of the evening, although she had wished they'd had more time for that sort of thing. Mrs. Weasley and Professor McGonagall were waiting for them in the otherwise empty common room. Mrs. Weasley's eyes were rimmed with red, and Professor McGonagall's throat seemed to catch as she said quietly, "'Miss Granger, might we have a word with you in my office?' Hermione remembered freezing. She remembered everything about that day with unusual clarity. She had just stood there and felt some relief as Ron instantly reached out and grabbed her hand. She had looked from Professor McGonagall to Mrs. Weasley, with a terrible, terrible sinking feeling in her stomach, and it had been Ron who spoke first. "'Whatever you have to tell her, you can tell all of us, here.' Professor McGonagall had nodded and begun to speak again, slowly and distinctly. "'Miss Granger, I'm sorry to inform you. I have to tell you that—' Professor McGonagall had seemed to be searching for the right words and not finding them your parents. Hermione had breathed a barely audible wail of grief, and her legs grew weak. Ron caught her before she fell and immediately helped her onto one of the sofas. Not dead, she had asked finally, looking her teacher in the eyes, grateful for Ron's hands on her shoulders. Mrs. Weasley came over and sat down next to her, placing a hand on her arm. Professor McGonagall had shaken her head, her gaze not leaving Hermione's. 
Hermione had known that the professor had delivered news like this to many other students, but had noted that her voice was uncharacteristically unsteady as she spoke about the Grangers. They're alive, but barely. They've been taken to a muggle hospital. They were tortured. Death Eaters. They performed the Cruciatus curse on them repeatedly, from what we can gather. Hermione had been about to ask, Why? Why them? When she heard Ron's voice, strained and dangerously low, ask it for her. Why? he had demanded. Why would they target Hermione's parents? She felt his hands tense on her shoulders as he spoke. Mrs. Weasley had looked at her son and answered resignedly. Ron, she began. They're crazy, aren't they? Who knows why they do anything? The Grangers aren't the first Muggle family that they've gone after, and they probably won't be the last. But they, they killed the others, Hermione had said, her voice sounding feeble. At least most of the time. They used Avada Kedavra, and those people died instantly. Why would they want to torture my parents? Why not come after me? My parents never did anything to anyone. Tears had started to fall from her eyes and down her cheeks. They're dentists! The last statement had sounded almost silly, and she had almost wanted to laugh as she said it. Death Eaters versus Dentists. It sounded like the title to a bad novel. I should have gone home early, she had muttered to herself more than to anyone else. I could have been there. I would have known what was going on. I would have had my wand at least. You would have been no match for seven Death Eaters, my dear, and you would have been tortured as well. Hermione had shot up out of the chair, feeling suddenly very angry. They were tortured because of me, she had shouted. Because of what I am. That's the only reason. She hadn't known who she was shouting at. Certainly not Professor McGonagall or Mrs. Weasley or Harry, Ron, or Ginny. It had been Harry who had come up to her and pulled her into an embrace. Harry, who rarely showed any emotion any more. Harry was the one who understood what it was like to feel responsible for someone else's pain and suffering. And finally, Hermione had understood for a brief moment what it really must be like to be Harry Potter. She had started to cry in earnest at that point. Ron had soon joined in the embrace, as had Ginny, and she clung to all of them, crying until the tears wouldn't come any more. Professor McGonagall sat down on one of the armchairs and waited for her to finish. Hermione straightened and addressed Professor McGonagall in a strained but even voice. Are they going to die? Can I see them? Professor McGonagall and Mrs. Weasley had exchanged worried glances. Mrs. Weasley said gently, They will live and you can see them as soon as you'd like. That's why I'm here, to take you if you want. But, oh, Hermione, dear, I'm not sure. That is, I don't think that they'll be very responsive. Hermione nodded slowly, comprehension dawning on her, and Professor McGonagall continued. You are familiar with the situation of the Longbottoms? Head snapping upwards, Hermione felt a flood of sorrow wash over her body. Hermione had known about the Longbottoms. Their son Neville had revealed the story to them earlier in the year. The Longbottoms had been tortured by Death Eaters fourteen years earlier, and they were still in St. Mungo's, still unresponsive, 
and still unable to recognize their own son. Your parents appear to be in a similar condition. They are alive and physically appear to be well. Their minds, however, take me to them, Hermione had said. With that, she departed with Mrs. Weasley, Ron, Harry, and Ginny at her side. The sound of a cat squealing and a rustle of feathers jolted Hermione back into the reality of the burrow. Looking up, she saw Ron's small owl, Pigwidgeon, fluttering above the kitchen table. Crookshanks, her cat, who had joined them for their overnight visit, had his back arched and was growling noisily at the bird, who twittered and hooted as if he were the happiest creature on the planet. Ron groaned, reached out a long arm, and caught the tiny owl firmly in his grasp. Pigwidgeon cooed. "'He's right to growl at you, you silly owl,' Ron scowled, not hiding his fondness for his pet very well. "'You're very annoying.' Turning to Hermione, he said, "'I'm going to put Pig in his cage. When I get back downstairs, we can go, all right?' She nodded, pulling Crookshanks onto her lap and stroking his orange hair absent-mindedly. 